Welcome back to another episode of Baxter's Buzz. I am your host, Baxter E. Hall. Welcome to my brain. Welcome to my frequency. Enter at your own risk. Uh, today I have company with me. So um, a good friend of mine, she is the Senior Director of Training and Development at Kelly Connect, Jennifer Sutherland. Hello, Jen. How are you? Hi, Max. How are you? Good, good. I'm so happy we finally get a chance to to talk on camera because, right. um, <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we we tried to schedule these a couple of different times and I just obviously I've always been so impressed with you. And I think that um, folks will will be able to glean a lot from from your knowledge and wisdom. So let's just jump into it. Sounds good. I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah. So listen, um, we we really started to talk around like leadership and and I'll just say uh, Jen was I reported to Jen it feels like a million years ago uh, um, I don't know what that says about either of us but <laughs> and and then when I've been in leadership yeah. roles I've I've come to you right to kind of get some some um, some jewels and and some direction as far as how you've led your team so. If, if we want to start there, tell me how you view leadership and like talk about your style a bit and and where did it where did it come from? So I have always somehow managed to be in leadership positions, even when it was like unofficially. So even if I think back to grade school, I was captain of the cheerleading squad. When I was in high school, I was on, you know, I was on the board for everything. I created a nonprofit when I was in high school because I went to an event and I thought it was a really cool event and I wanted to do something for this population in El Salvador. So I started just a bake sale at my high school to donate money to this charity that would go to this community so that they can become self-funded by helping them buy a sugarcane machine. And so that was in high school. And so when you look through my yearbook, like you're going to see me everywhere. And then in college, I, you know, was in the dorm council and then student government and and I was an (laughs) RA and assistant hall director. And so it's, it's sort of always been a part of me, whether I intended it that way or not, but I never had an actual leadership position. Like I wasn't paid to be a leader. I guess I was as an RA, but in a professional setting until I worked at New Horizons was my first time doing that. It was my first time being a manager of other people officially. And by that point, I sort of had already evolved in my own personality and my own professional style. And and so my leadership just sort of followed along with that. But I think my leadership style is, I, I really enjoy managing the whole person, right? And, and you know, performance is one thing, but behavior comes from somewhere. And yeah. people get motivated by something and it's different. So getting to understand who my team is and understanding them on a, 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 a real level has always been really important to me. And so like having reg- like regular one-on-ones and communication is just so critical and, and something I'm fiercely protective of even to this day that I need to make sure that my team hears from me and that I hear from them on a regular basis and, and I protect that. So like my leadership style has definitely evolved. I'm now a leader of other leaders, which is the first time I've been doing this for, it's been about four years now, but it's a, even different at that level because I'm now no longer leading frontline employees, like the immediate person doing the job. 
And so my leadership style has already sort of evolved from that. And now another thing that's different is I am managing people who are working remote full time, Mm. which to me also kind of requires a different management style. So it's my leadership and management is always sort of evolved. Um, but I think it, it stems from just who I am as a person, which is really somebody who just wants to help other people be successful is really where my leadership direction comes from and my own motivation to help others. And then it sort of evolves from there. Yeah, I, I think uh, as I'm listening to you and I, I think I've benefited from it as well, like being in these leadership roles unofficially. But sometimes you can start out in leadership like too early and then you just you're you're like learning to be a manager but not necessarily a leader right and you have these responsibilities and you feel like hey this is the way things are supposed to to go but that's only because like I feel like I've had the the fortune uh of of really good leaders and really like poor leaders right and so when I was finally um given the opportunity to to lead a sales team I felt much more equipped because I had the gamut. I had some really good ones that I was like, I would, I, I'd love the things that they do. I, I had poor ones where I was like, I don't like much of anything that they do. Right. So I was able to bring those um, experiences with me before kind of leading my own team. And it's, you know, um, it's a difference between managing and leading. Right. I mean, uh you know, you manage sort of resources, right? You, you kind of manage, you know, PTO, you know, stuff like that, right? But you but you really want to lead people, right? Um, and allow them to sort of, um, you know, give them as much, empower them as much as you can. Yep. Um, the, the mentoring piece, do you feel like you can properly mentor folks that um that sort of are in your like that report to you or do you do you see benefits in getting mentors outside of your like if even if it's still in the same company outside of your departments or outside of your companies in general like if you you know i know it's different for everyone but in your eyes can you properly mentor someone that sort of reports to you or reports to someone that reports to you so yes and yes i think that every every person that you lead on your team you should be mentoring along the way that should be a part of your job as a leader to help mentor them so it shouldn't be sort of a separate relationship but every time you talk to them it should be about their own personal development, what their challenges are, how you can help them evolve, giving them homework and tests and difficult things to sort of push themselves, giving them stretch assignments. To me, all of that is a part of being a leader. It is extremely important. But I do see a lot of value in seeking out mentors outside of your immediate sort of business unit or practice or um, division that doesn't know your day-to-day. Because that's where you're going to get somebody that truly sees something from like a, you know, out of its perspective. And the people that I've mentored that I didn't know their necessarily day-to-day job, I feel like I've been able to add something to their, their skill set because I'm seeing things differently than like if they asked somebody else in their sort of line of command, right? And mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's important to get as many perspectives as possible too. Yeah. Because otherwise you just create other people that look sound and act just like you. 
And so if you're seeking people that have different thoughts, that is just going to make you a stronger person. If you have mentors that, that can give you those different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. I was on a call, um, yesterday actually with uh national uh, african-americans and and insurance association uh shout out to naya the detroit chapter and uh we were talking about mentorship and um one of the gentlemen said many of my mentors over the years didn't even realize they were mentoring me right so you connect and you glean things from people and you go, I really like how they handled that in this circumstance. Or they were talking to me about something that they did at their at their job or in their role. And you go, I like that, right? And you can kind of start to uh, keep the things that you want and kind of toss out the rest, right? So, um, but as a mentor, I love the thought of you being um, invested in their personal development. It seems like a no-brainer, but many times in, in management roles, people are just trying to get jobs done. Yep. They're not really as invested in the personal development uh, of the people. Where did you where did you get that from and that sort of that mindset? So I was just having a conversation with somebody about this the other day that, you know, it's it's interesting how some individuals are there. There was this concept a long time ago where managers used to be hired just to manage the work and manage outcomes, whether it was production deliverables, whatever the case was, that was a long time ago. At this point, (laughs) I don't know anybody whose job is just to manage other people's work we all still have our own stuff we have to do. And even when I was a sales manager, I didn't have numbers directly but I had other things that I was working on to help other people make their numbers and pulling reports and doing things. And so it's interesting to me that this concept of a manager thinking that all their job is, is to manage somebody else's performance or outcome that is so outdated to me. And I, I think that we just need to completely get rid of that concept because a leader directly involved in the, the phases to help make that employee even better. And not everybody wants to move up. Not everybody wants to be a leader. Not everybody wants that next promotion. So you don't, you're not necessarily managing them or helping them develop to do that, but what is their goals? Maybe I had an employee who was perfectly content in her job for many, many, many years, but I started asking questions and asking her, like, what else are you interested in? I'm glad you love your job and I'm glad you're interested in this, but what else do you do? And on her own time, she started creating websites and it was just something that interested her. And so she was debating, you know, maybe starting a company, making websites for people. And I said, you know, there's things that we can incorporate into your job here to help you learn some of those skills and help you practice that. And it's not that I want you to leave and go become a web developer. If you want to, I will help you do that. But, you know, you can also embody some of those things in your own skills and your own interest. And to me that it's, I don't know where it evolved. And I love that you asked that. And maybe someday I'll have some sort of epiphany that'll tell me, but I just have a passion for helping other people develop skills and be successful. And I don't know where that comes from. I'm not sure why or how, but I get a ridiculous amount of happiness from when people call me and tell me they have a new job, that they have, they, they closed their first deal or their biggest deal, or, you know, that they're, they just got offered a stretch assignment. That's going to give them some really cool opportunities. I just, 
to me, that is what I evolved to do. And I speak for all of my team. And it's hard, Bex, because I now have about 180 people that report up through me. I can't talk to all of them on a regular basis. I do skip levels. And in fact, I'm doing skip levels with like trainers and team leads that I am like four levels away from. So I can have those conversations because I still want to create that vision and that and lead from my role so that everybody on the team is trying to have those same conversations and build that excitement about professional and personal development. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this, because this is um, something that I struggled with. I started to try to get my head around um, and I never quite solve the case, um, especially in a sales role, right? It's like, sell, sell, sell. We have goals, we have numbers, right? How do you handle the person that doesn't want to work their tails off? They just want to come in. They want to work, they want to work hard, but they don't want to do anything more. They're not, they're not coming in early. Don't ask them, them to come in early. Don't ask them to stay late. Um, if there's opportunity, like trade shows where there's, tra- don't ask them to travel. Like, it's like, hey, find someone else for that. But I'll give you what I got. Eight to five every day, right? Monday through Friday. When some things are performance-based, when there's like a, a tangible sort of goal that people are shooting for, um, how do you, how do you handle those people that only want what they want, right? They're not, they're not looking to make all the money. They just want to make a little money and they're, they're completely satisfied with that. So a couple of thoughts come to mind. Uh, and I have somebody in mind that you and I probably both know that was somebody who could put the highest numbers on the board fantastic at making their numbers as a sales rep, but was a horrible, horrible morale breaker in the office. And if I had a choice, that person would have been removed from the team and moved out because I, I'm okay with having B level players that are consistent and steady and show up and do their thing and make their numbers, whether it's sales or their delivering classes and they're hitting their metrics. I, if those people are hard workers, they're good team players and they are, uh, they have good personalities to work with and they're bringing, you know, the team, team atmosphere and they're sort of like improving the team dynamics. I will take those employees all day long over somebody who is like excelling from a metrics perspective, but has the worst attitude or, like has a negative effect on other people on the team. And so when I hire and when I work with my team to hire, we're hiring for somebody who has that, that eager, I want to learn attitude, somebody who is, hey, I'm going to be solid for you. I'm going to be consistent. You're never going to have to wonder where I'm at. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be here and I'm going to do things I need to do. Not every job, not every person has to be like an A player. Yes, that's like the ideal. You might want an A player. It was like on a sales team because you want to still make your numbers, but not everybody has to achieve to be the top. 
right? Can, can you survive with a team full of B players? No, not all B players. No, absolutely not. You still want a mix of players and you hire the right group for that. And I will tell you for some parts of my sales career, I was a B player. Like I was consistent, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't go out there and pull my numbers from last next month in order to make extra money for the company this month, just because my boss said I was supposed to, because I knew that was going to hurt my next month. <laughs> and so there was times that I was that B player. And then there's times I was that A player. I was, I was out there. I was traveling. I was doing this. I was, yeah. you know, hitting the streets and, you know, I, at one point, my very first sales job, I had to hit, you know, 100 cold calls every single week, physical business cold calls. And I did it and I enjoyed it and I made it a game, but you shouldn't dismiss the B players. Now C players, mm, mm. (laughs) they're not going to be on my team for very long. I think that you can survive with a team full of B players. Yeah. I, I think that the C players, you need the A players to make up with the C players. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. You know good what point. I mean? I, I feel like, the yeah, it's not just the number that you're contributing to. You're contributing to this culture, like you said. And it's so, so key. And those A players with the poor attitude may be turning those potential A players into C players. Right. Right. Because yeah. And of I the, agree. The culture that they're that they're contributing to. Now, if, if I'm assuming that all A players have a bad attitude, then I agree with you 100 percent. I would take an all B team all day long. Uh, but there are A players that are have great attitudes, who Absolutely. are great team players, who, in, in, you know, move the culture of the team forward. And th- those A players are, are sometimes needed because they are going to spark interest. They help create the culture when new people kind of join in. Like those are typically the people who are raising their hand, like, yep, I can show so-and-so around. Yep. I can, you know, kind of show them the ropes. Yep. I will go on that first call with them or whatever the case is. Those A players can elevate the entire team when they're an A player. If you're appreciating them appropriately and showing that recognition and showing and in sort of creating that positive reinforcement for for all the B players, for sure. Yeah, and yeah, and it's you know, yeah, you're measuring sales, but there's so many things. If 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 someone could destroy or sort of uh, chip away at the good culture that you are building, they can also build it right and, and contribute to it. So we need to figure out a way to recognize not just the numbers, but the the other other sort of intangibles that that people are bringing to the table right it's just it's tough when you have a number that you're trying to hit in the goal right as, absolutely as a it's so funny i have to tell you so it's so weird my brain is switching so quickly to talking about like sales management i haven't been a sales manager since 2010 Bax, it's been 11 years since i've been wow. a sales manager but I mean, I've been leading training teams for the past 11 years, but to me, like I immediately like switched because that was my first part of my career. So I'm like sales, numbers, 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 like I just immediately back into it. Forecasting, Mm -hmm. where are we at with our pipeline? Oh my gosh, yes. (laughs) I am, um, you know, I appreciate all roles, but in my individual contributor role, um, I know how much I care. I know what I'm willing to do. Right. There, there's something to be said for um, 
for that, for, you know, not having to worry about how interested someone else is in their role, but knowing what I'm going to bring to the table, right? And and I hope that leadership sort of recognizes that in me, right? Because yep. um, by the time my sales leadership role was 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 ending, I was very happy about it. Um, changing the topic a bit. Wait, can, hold on. Can I just say something real quick? Sure. So when I think about when I first met you and you were in sales and I was not your leader yet, I was mm-hmm. a corporate trainer and I just, my impression of you, my first impression, and it would, that first impression has never changed is how eager you were to improve yourself and continue getting better more than just about anybody else I've probably ever worked with that not, you were consistently asking for feedback and asking for how could I have done this differently or how can I understand this better to make that work differently? And it just, that that's the kind of employee backs that leaders seek and want on their team. You know, somebody who's going to ask those questions, uh, but take it in and really uh, try to continue improving themselves and, and wanting to be as best as they could possibly be. Like, I just want to point that out because as you're talking about, you know, leadership and sales and things like to me, uh, that you're exactly the type of employee that that's always the best for me to have on a team. Well, that means a lot coming from you. I, I truly appreciate it because not only because our relationship, but because I know you've had a lot of people that, that, that have reported to you. So if I'm somewhere on that list, then that, that that's humbling. Um, you know, I am a sponge for information, right? And I've always been that way. And um, I've always been disappointed when leaders that haven't recognized that. And you would think that everyone would be eager. Right. Sometimes the, the enthusiasm is like, it's like too much for people because- they, they, they want you to shut it down. Like, no, no, no. Because what that does is it forces them to do things differently or think differently or mm-hmm. have to find out the answer or have to find something to, to, to stimulate and trigger your energy level. And to a lot of leaders, they just don't have that mechanism. And they just, they want to do exactly, they're, they're a, a B or C player as a leader who mm. should never have been promoted to a leadership position in the first place. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that's, that's one good. of my pet peeves is when people get promoted to leadership just because they're good at what they did Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they can translate that knowledge to somebody else or that they can help recreate and develop other people to be great at what they do and I think that is an organizational disaster when companies do that and I see it over and over and over again sales is one of the most obvious ones people get promoted to sales manager just because they were a great salesperson Typically, those salespeople hated that they got promoted to management because they're not making as much money yeah. as they were as an individual contributor. And but now they have to rely on other people where they just want to be out there and doing it. They don't yeah. want to have to explain to anybody or talk to anybody. They just want to do it. So I, it's a it's a pet peeve of mine when companies do that. Well, how about we make this sort of why, why don't we talk about this next topic and then wrap because you sure. you've, you've opened this door. And you, you may or may not have the answer. I don't know, but I'm sure, I doubt I do. But that, but that's such a great um, example, and it happens all the time, right? You have these high um, 
achievers and their individual roles. And, and, and it's not just sales, but a lot of times it's sales, right? Where they, they do really well. And then they think that they're deserving of the, the, this role. You want to reward them for how well they've done, but they may not be a great leader and you may even know it. What do you do with your, your high achievers and individual con, um, contributor roles? when leadership isn't the best fit for them? Yeah, that's a great question. And my team now, we focus on leadership development a lot. Uh, my team currently, we train call center folks, which we have a high volume and we're consistently having to train new leaders, et cetera. And we've been having this conversation of what makes a good leader on this program, but it is, it's sort of universal. And, and looking at just metrics, like they're, their customer satisfaction scores or the average call handling time or whatever other numbers or metrics you want to look at. Like when I was, you know, a sales manager, when I've done various things, it's not just about the metrics. You have to look at the soft skills side, but the problem is that's hard to measure. Right. It is really hard to measure soft skills. And so utilizing resources and tools like 360 assessments can help identify whether that person is a good skill set. But I also think companies have to recognize and determine and develop what is the profile of the ideal person for that role? What does it look like outside of just metrics? What are the skills? Like, is this a job that constantly changes? So we need to have somebody who knows how to lead through change and ambiguity. Do we need somebody who is an excellent communicator? Because this is one of the teams that just drops off and people forget to tell them what's going on. And then they sort of, you know, explode, you know, figuring out what are the specific soft skills, not generic stuff like, yeah, Oh, this person is, you know, a great attention to detail or whatever, but like what really makes that and then translate to hiring. That is really, there's so many companies out there trying to make money off of that. None of them have it exactly right. Some of them have different pieces and parts of it. I've worked with different companies. I've taken different trainings. I don't know that I have the exact solution either, but the more we refine it, the better it is. And okay. looking Let at me put you on the spot. metrics. Yeah. So we know that we shouldn't hire these, these high achievers for these leadership roles if they're not a good fit. What do you do with them? What do you do with these people? They're doing so great. They've been killing it. They're making their yeah. numbers. They're ready for the next challenge. Like, how, what do you, how do you satisfy these guys? So I think it's having a really honest, candid conversation. Why do they want leadership? What do they think a leadership role would do for them? What, it, you know, do they think it's, you know, power? Do they think it's um, more autonomy? Do they think it's more money or prestige? Or do they just think it's naturally the next step? Kind of like some people think, oh, okay, we've been dating. Okay. The next step is to get engaged. Okay. Next step is get married. Okay. Next step is to have a baby. Just because that's all the way that's been done, that like, do they have a preconceived notion that, oh, I've been doing this great. I should be rewarded by getting this next step. Having a candid conversation of why do you want this? Why do you, and why do you think you'd be good at it? Why do you think it would be a good fit for you? And then if you honestly don't think that they're a good fit for it, find something else that's going to trigger their energy without moving them into something that they're not going to be successful. You don't want to set people up to fail. So maybe they can help with some sort of high potential program. Maybe they're not the right person to move into leadership, but maybe they can help identify what new and future leaders could look like that made them successful in their career. Or maybe they can help with a training program and mentor new people in that role or 
you know, maybe it's even sort of just like cross-functional things. Maybe they can help work with marketing and say, you know, this is how we can start marketing our, our product or service in a different way. You know, so I think finding them a way to trigger their energy to help give them some recognition and keep them engaged, but having that candid conversation, moving them into leadership, knowing that they're not going to be successful in leadership is not the right fit. Now, if they have potential anywhere in there, I'm a huge fan of maximizing somebody's potential. If there's potential, if there really is a possibility they could be great at it, then keep them on the back burner as bench strength, work with them on those right. skills that they might need. Help them develop those skills. Exactly. Yeah. And then if at some point they are ready, you know, maybe they need a little more guidance, maybe they need a little more time, but work with them and then maybe get them into that role if it's truly a potential and they are, are doing it for the right reasons. Um, if they're not, then find some other way to keep them engaged and do something because moving them into a leadership role is going to not just affect them and their sort of success, but the rest of the organization too. You're losing a good salesperson and you're you're hiring a bad leader. Exactly. Like a lose, absolutely. Lose. Absolutely. Yeah. And way too many companies do it. Yeah. Um, you are very uh, involved. Um, and I know that leadership within women in leadership is something that's kind of that you hold, you know, closely. Um, talk about the importance of seeing diversity in leadership positions, um, just in general and kind of, and, and how you view it and, and some of the things that you're a part of that that's kind of moving that, moving that ball for, you know, down the field, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, I love sports analogies. That's fantastic. <laughs> that wasn't too high. Sports ball. That was a sports ball analogy. I've got it. All right, all right. So, yes, I am fiercely passionate about mentoring women specifically. And I think it's because I didn't have a whole lot of leaders early in my career that really helped guide me. Um, My first 10 years, I only had male managers and didn't see any females in a leadership role. And so it it was something that became very important to me once I started becoming more successful and kind of getting my feet under me when it came to my, my career. And to me, it, it, it's, it's a simplistic formula. Diversity of people equals diversity of thought equals strength of thought. And I know that there's a whole lot that goes in that, but to me, that's the simplicity. And it's, it's important that people understand that, but so many people don't. So many people try to replicate themselves. In fact, there was a, uh, and I can't remember her name, but she was a professor from a local university who came in and did some training with some of the senior leaders at my company. And one of the things my VP shared with me that she talked about is, you know, and I've always heard this, people tend to hire people that remind them of themselves, Mm -hmm. right? So people end up hiring people that look like them, have similar backgrounds, similar cultures. But what she said that I'd never heard before, which I thought was really interesting, is people hire people that remind them of their younger self. Mm, so not kind of who they are right now, but their younger self, like their potential and who, like they're, they hire people that remind them of who they once were and kind of who they would want, you know, that they wanted somebody to evolve them. And that just kind of blew my mind. I was like that, I can see that happening. Yeah. I think that's why we have so little diversity in organizations at the top level, because people 
are just rehiring what they looked like when they were younger in early in their career. But to me, seeing diversity at a leadership level is in, at, the, at, at the highest senior level leaders. Like there's a lot of first level leaders that are diverse. I think companies have gotten much better at, at opening up opportunities to everybody and really seeking to have diversity in candidates and making sure people understand the value and, and, and um, seeking candidates, like sourcing candidates that are diverse. But I think so many organizations, there's like a couple of levels up and then the diversity sort of just stopped. And you get to the highest level, maybe the level below that too. And there's just very little diversity. And if there is diversity, it's minimal. There might be one black leader and one or two women, maybe <laughs> like that's sort of yeah. the, you know, and, and that's not enough. Like it's, it's not enough. The, the senior leadership at organizations need to represent what our world looks like, what our society looks like in order to have a true representation that <clears throat> allows organizations to continue growing and evolving. I mean, the financials are there when right. all the research is there saying companies that are diverse, they're more profitable. Yeah. And so these people are getting in their own way by not promoting and, 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 and reinforcing diversity at the highest levels, because that's where it truly translates into monetary gain for an organization. If you're right. thinking about your shareholders, there's a business. There's case no for reason it. to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I am fiercely protective of that. You know what it is? Um, it, it goes back to the whole BNC players and leadership, right? BNC leaders. Um, my first job, this is how naive I was. Um, I had a supervisor who was like, it was like shipping and receiving and um out and there was like this mess and he was like complaining about how like how unorganized everything was and i said well why don't they i said why don't they just reorganize it and he said there's it's easier to just do it poorly than for them to kind of start from scratch and kind of and, yep. and organize it just the the amount of time they just don't want to put forth that amount of effort and i went that doesn't make sense, but boy, that have I recognized that a lot since then, right? I mean, yeah. it's, 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 if we continue to challenge ourselves um, at every level, right? And, and if we're at, if we're the CEO, we need to make sure that the board or that the other C-level leaders are making, if, if we fall off, we need to make sure that someone's holding us accountable, but that yep. constant evolution so that we don't get comfortable so that we, cause nobody, most of these people didn't start off being B and C leaders, right? They got comfortable, they had some success, and now they're just, they don't want any disruption. They're coasting, yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me what you said. You said diversity. Uh, give me- The so diversity of people equals diversity of thought equals strength of thought. Diversity of people equals diversity in thought, which equals- Equals strength of thought strength of thought that's a great place to end i love that i love that um and it's simply put right it yeah. makes it makes sense um, yep. we all have blind spots and the more diverse the, of teams that we can put around us the less blind spots that you know the, the more properly prepared we are right absolutely i mean i have team members that challenge me regularly like i know i'm going into a one-on-one and i'm just like all right, what is she going to bring today? But it's always good. Like I 
I need that. I don't yeah. need a bunch of people to be like, you're the best boss. No, that's not going to help me. That's yeah. not going to help our team. I, 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 and people that aren't comfortable with that shouldn't be in leadership, but they also have their own issues they need to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's not just, it's not just at work. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, listen, this has been great. Um, I, you know, think the world of you and I'm so happy to have you on Baxter's bus. Um, you've, you've been, you know, rooting me on and, and, and kind of, you know, showing me love uh, as always. And I appreciate you coming on and, and being a part of, of the conversation. So thanks again. Absolutely. Happy to be here. I remember when Baxter's buzz was just a blog, just a blog, just a blog. I remember that. I know. Right. I haven't, I haven't blogged in, a, in about, yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been not quite a year, but that's another yeah. piece that I'm going to get back going. So yeah, um, it's just the next evolution, right? It was great to get buzzed with you today, Max. <laughs> We're going to do that one day soon <laughs> too. Um, but on, on behalf of Jen, I am Baxter E. Hall. Thank you all for, for checking this great conversation out. Please like, subscribe, share all that good stuff. If you like it, somebody else may like it. Don't be stingy. Pass along the good word. And until next time, peace.